bidding farewell to the season, or the sort of the season. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 333 of Hand of Pod. We are halfway towards the devil's number. Yes. It's not really fitting or uh, relevant to anything at all, but it just struck me. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello. How are you doing, Andres? Fine, thanks. Good. Um, we have one final round of Superliga action to review. Um, and uh, a Copa de la Superliga to tell you about as well. The, I think the main preview is going to be left for Hand of Pod Extra afterwards. Um, Dan, unfortunately, couldn't be with us this week. The choice was either recording on Thursday evening with Dan or recording on Wednesday evening with Andres, and since um, the decision really fell down to whether I wanted to pay more attention to the River game, which is on Thursday night, or to the Uracan game, which is on right now, um, I decided to record this week, obviously aided by the fact that, in hindsight now, fortunately for the podcast, given these recording uh, days, um, we were already able to review Racing's title win with Dan last week. And we hope, or at least I think you hope, the result is different than the other match you pay, pay attention today. Yes, of course, yeah, being a yes. Man United fan. Um, but happy enough, reasonably. I mean, a 1-0 defeat was better than I was thinking it was going to be yes. so anyway um, we are sponsored by Fanatis who allow you to watch the Superliga um, and the Copa Argentina and also if you're in the United States the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana and loads of other stuff uh, but the Superliga and the Copa Argentina are available anywhere in the world outside Latin America um, you can get 20% off your first three months with Fanatis all you have to do is go to fntz.co slash HOP and then use the discount code HOPFZ. Regarding our sponsorship, by the way, I know what a few of you are going to be asking on Twitter when we put the episode up, so I'm going to head that off now. At the time of recording, um, they are still not 100% sure on their rights to the uh, Copa de la Superliga, which kicks off this weekend. They are... When I spoke to them um, fairly recently, they were optimistic of being able to get something sorted for it. Uh, they're very much in discussions, um, but they're still not 100% on it just yet. Uh, so that hopefully answers any questions that, that some of you might have about that. Anyway, let's move on with the results from the weekend just gone. Remember, Racing had already won the league. Defensa Justicia um, and Boca were competing for second place. River were, at the start of the weekend, all but guaranteed fourth place, uh, but the Sudamericana places were very much up for grabs, as were, uh, as was that one remaining place from relegation, uh, from for safety, safety spot, something like that. Three relegation <laughs> spots were up for grabs, or uh, up to be avoided, let's say. San Martín de Tucumán, nil San Lorenzo, nil was the first... Um, result of the weekend. Gimnasia beat Colón 3-2 in a very entertaining game in La Plata. Um, on Saturday, Banfield won, Newell's Old Boys won, Union nil, Estudiantes nil, Vélez Sarsfield 4, Lanús nil with a hat-trick from Agustín Bosat. Aldo Civi won, Boca Juniors won was the final game on Saturday. Um, on Sunday, Huracán Got a 2-0 win over Atletico Tucumán uh, in Parque Patricios. Rosario Central won, Independiente 2. And then we had those four relegation matches. And they went Patronato de Paraná 2, Argentinos Juniors 1. Belgrano 1, Godoy Cruz 0. River Plate 2, Tigre 3. San Martín de San Juan 2, Tacheres de Córdoba 1. If you were listening carefully and if you can remember who was in the relegation battle, then you will have realised, if you didn't already know, 
uh, that all four of the relegation-threatened teams won their matches, which means, of course, that Patronato stay up um, and that Tigre, San Martín de San Juan and Belgrano join San Martín de Tucumán in next season's B Nacional, second division. Uh, the other one last game, final game of the Superliga season was the big loving between Racing and Defensive Justicia, the top two clubs in the Superliga. Not the title playoff we were hoping for. It wasn't even Defensive Justicia really playing for very much other than pride either because uh, the fact that um, the Boca Juniors had only drawn 1-1 with Aldo Civi the previous evening meant that uh, Defensive Justicia were guaranteed second place. Um, and it finished Racing 1, Defensa y Justicia 1. And more money, uh, to, to get more money, because uh, I don't... Uh really remember how much it is, but uh, uh, Superliga or, or the TV also uh, rights owners pay more money, of course, depending on on, on, on your position in, in, you, in which you end the Superliga. And finishing in the second place as runners-up means, of course, getting more money. Yeah, I think it's a matter of a few hundred thousand pesos or something. I don't think it's anything well, earth-shattering. But, I, of course, for a club defensive... Yes. I, read, I read that Boca wanted to finish in the second place because of that, of, yeah. the, of, the, of the money. Uh, with, well, if, if you're Boca and, and defensive justicia is, in, is ahead of you and perhaps you want to also be uh, end, end in the second place because it's better for you uh, being Boca. But... Uh, I think it's deserved for the, for them for the Fisic Justicia to if they weren't the champions at least to get the, the second place and there was a, something that has had already been announced the the players of each team receiving the others uh, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for a second Andres and I'm going to inform our listeners that I'm about to cut a little bit because the cat has finally worked out how to get on top of the bookshelf. And if you can hear any tearing noise in the background, she's now trying to knock books off. So I'm going to try and get her down or put her off doing it. Okay, where were we? Uh, sorry about that cut. Um, it, it was urgent. Um, it was it was a, a deserved second place um, for Defensa Justicia, a deserved title for Racing as well, as we um, mentioned last week uh, when they wrapped things up. Yes, and... and um... As I was saying that uh, it was announced, it had, had been previously announced that um, the players of both team, both teams will receive the others teams players. Um, of course, with all, all the positions were already set, we were uh, there were no possible changes there, uh, as you have also uh, as you have mentioned. Uh, even the physical team knew that they were they will be the seconds. In second place, where we runners up, so it was all. Even uh, after that, it was also had more sense even to to have not not a friendly atmosphere, but uh, uh, to receive the other players and, and and do what they they usually do in Europe, not here. Yes, but, exactly. Yeah, but uh, um, it, it, it would have been a lot more fun, obviously, if it had been a title decider. But yes, as it was, it was good fun. Anyway, it was, you know, and it looked like a good atmosphere as well in the cylinder. Um, obviously, the main impact that most of the matches have was in on final positions this week. So, um, first of all, I'm going to correct something that I said last week. The table that I looked at last week while we were recording had, you might remember that San Lorenzo um, were, were docked six points for um, irregular payments or for paying with post-dated checks or something, their players. Um and that is a uh, sort of delayed uh, punishment until San Lorenzo's appeal runs out, or whatever, or, or you know is either rejected or, or approved. Um, and so it was reported originally that that was going to be handed down at the beginning of next season. The table that we were rec- that, that I was looking at while we recorded last week uh, said um, that San Lorenzo had had six points dropped off. Um, so I said on last week's podcast, oh, they've had it knocked off already. Uh, the table that we were looking at last week was premature. San Lorenzo haven't yet been docked those points and therefore do not finish bottom of the Superliga. They finish in 23rd place out of 26, which obviously is is much more prestigious than bottom um, for a club of their size. Uh, they're a point ahead of Argentinos Juniors, who did finish bottom. So the standings from 1st to 26th, I'm not going to bother with point totals. I'm just going to tell you who finished where and who are the 
you know, the teams in the Sudamericana and Libertadores and stuff. Ah, Racing, Defensa Justicia, Boca, all into next year's Libertadores group stage on the back of their league campaigns. River in fourth uh, into next year's Libertadores third qualifying round, I think it is, isn't it? That the fourth team going to. Um, and then the Sudamericana places. Atletico Tucumán in 5th, Vélez in 6th, Independiente in 7th, Unión in 8th, Tigre in ninth. but relegated means that Tigre don't go into the Copa Sudamericana. But, um, sorry to interrupt you, but so there is something strange there because uh, they aren't awarded or they aren't allowed to play Copa Sudamericana because they are... They, they, Uh, are relegated to the National Bay, but if they win Copa de Superliga, they will be able to win. To I've seen it reported both ways. I think that they will be because it's a cup competition, so it's not subject to the same restrictions that league qualification normally is. Um, and also, but the other thing is that if if they say that the Copa de la Superliga winners can't qualify for the Libertadores or the Sudamericana, then you kind of think, well, what are the four relegated teams? playing in that for I mean what's the motivation at all which is silly because I think it would given Tigre's recent form I think that they're potential winners of the Copa de la Super League. I think there is a problem with the organization of course as always between the Superliga and the other of course National Bay in this case mm. because National Bay is still being played but it's so... a Superliga regulate I mean well it's a Primera División regulation because it was the same before the Superliga uh, branding came in Um, and I just I think it's daft. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, my thoughts about the Promedios generally as a relegation system are uh, uh, well known to uh, long-term listeners, and and they won't be surprised to hear that I think it's daft. Um, but I, I think it's particularly stupid to not allow a team in. But anyway, let's continue. So Tigre and Knight don't qualify for the Sudamericana because they were relegated, and therefore that spot. Uh, the Sudamericana qualification place goes for the team that we're currently watching in the Libertadores, Huracan, who finished 10th in the Superliga. Uh, 11th, and none of these teams are involved in anything next season as a result of their league places. Um, 11th are Lanús, 12th are Tacheres, 13th are Aldo Sibi, 14th are Godoy Cruz, 15th are Newell's Old Boys, 16th Banfield, 17th Estudiantes, 18th Gimnasia. They finished dead level on points, the two La Plata sides. Patronato, Um, who, of course, are relegated, finished 19th. Rosario Central, 20th. San Martín de San Juan, who also relegated, finished 21st. Belgrano, who were relegated, finished 22nd. Uh, 23rd, San Lorenzo, 24th. Colón, 25th, San Martín de Tucumán, who are the fourth relegated side. And 26th, uh, Argentinos Juniors. Um, what does that mean? Well, let's go through the... Matches from the weekend, I guess, and talk about how some of these teams' seasons have been. The the big sort of four games really were the relegation fixtures because the Sudamericana qualification fixtures weren't all played at the same time. Um, the relegation ones were. I was, I assume you were as well, Andres, paying most attention to River against Tigre. Um, that was the one I had on the television and the main one that I had on the computer at the same time because of course it's very difficult to do split screening and multiple screening when there are four games to watch yeah. you just don't really end up watching any of them but I had the Patronato game on the computer um, and uh, had River Tigre on the TV and was flicking occasionally if I heard about a goal to one of the other games on the TV because it's much easier to flick between them on the TV than on the computer of course and the Patronato game was the one that was actually the most important as we explained last week all Patronato had to do was get their own result and it wouldn't matter what everybody else did and as it turned out it was just as well for Patronato that they got that result because everybody else won they weren't they were close to uh, not get that result because mm. there was a brilliant save from Bertoli who retired after that match oh did he yes I haven't heard that 41 years old and, but uh, that save made the is he still only 41 I think I feel he like is. he's been 41 for about five years now I think he's 41 Keep talking. I'm going to look him up, just just to make sure. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, a draw will mean for them to ha be able to uh, be obliged to play a, a, a three-way playoff to, I think, Belgrano and... Uh, It would have been Belgrano, Tigre and uh, Patronato yes. in a three-way playoff. And you're right, by the way, he is only 41. I, I could swear he was 41 when they first came up to the Primera, up to the Super yes. League, what, two years ago or something, but... Carry on. Yes, and well, that save, of course, made made, uh, made them keep uh, keep or uh, the category and, and, and still be in first division. 
so they will be playing Superliga next next season. Um, and yes, that was I think the most important uh, point for that match. Um, Argentinos, I I think they, that they weren't uh, playing for anything at least for this season. Of course, uh, they weren't uh, relegated, but every point for them will be important for next season. Uh, anyway, well, for Patronato, of, of course, was crucial, and they celebrated after the match. Yeah, um, Patronato's, I think it was the opening goal. Both of them were scored by Gabriel uh, Carabajal. The opening one, yes, it was the opening one, because fortunately they've got it marked on here. The second one was a header. Uh, the opening one was a stunner. Um, from the very near to the corner of the penalty area. Um, yes, they were. I think there was a goal into the far top corner. It was beautiful. Yes, incredible goal. Uh, he, of course, shot that ball. I think he, <laughs> Riquelme will say that he will try to do it any, again, and he won't make it. Mm. Um, but uh, the the funny thing was that there was another Patronato player uh, thrown in the in the in the there in the pitch. And in the middle, Carvajal um, scored that golazo, and so his teammate couldn't watch it. Yeah, um, they were also quite close together. It was it was a minute after, in the Monumental, Robert Rojas, who'd scored, I think, his first goal for yes. River, um, to at the time make it appear that Tigre were in deeper trouble than ever, um, and uh, it was. A very spirited performance, I thought, from Tigre. I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, you know, we, we said last week, I think we all agreed, that River would probably win the game. Um, perhaps forgetting about the fact that it was falling right between two Libertadores matches for River, so it was by far the least important. Um, and that but that wasn't looks, to yeah. say that, that a draw or a Tigre victory was, was surprising, given, as I say, Tigre's fantastic form. And again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it is one of the problems with the Argentine... Um, relegation system. Tigre, if Tigre had gone down at some point, then last season was the closest that they came to going down. If the Argentine relegation system was just league table, bottom four clubs go down, Tigre wouldn't have been relegated in any of the three championships for which they have been relegated on the promedio table. Um, And the fact that they have just finished ninth means the point that I made on Twitter right after the game, that uh, again, last season was the poor season. The season before that wasn't great either. But now they've actually picked themselves up. And they've been relegated, if there ever was a right time for them to be relegated, and they've been relegated at the, at the wrong time. You know, yes. it, it, Even though, in fact, there wasn't a right time for them to be relegated because they weren't the bottom four. Um, they weren't in the bottom four of any of the championships for which uh, their, their points average has been worked out and that they've now gone that low. Um, and it's a massive... It's massively annoying. I'm not going to say it's a massive problem because Argentine football has got along with it for getting on for 40 years or what? what is it now, 27, 26, 27 years. They've been, no, 37 or 36 years, sorry, um, that, that the Promedios have been in existence. Uh, and, you know, Argentine football somehow hasn't died, but it's very much, we'll get on again to the organisation of the um, Copa de la Superliga and of next season's championship a bit later. And I'm probably going to make the same point. It, it's very much in spite of the people who run it, I think. Yes. It's getting increasingly... I'm finding it increasingly exasperating in, in the last couple of years. Uh, there, there is a category where um, there won't be any more promedios in this Primera B Metropolitana. All right? of them. What, what I read was that from, I think, it's either next season or the season after next, the Superliga is going to be the only division with promedios. Ah, okay. I, I don't think they're going to exist in any of the other... Um, relegation um, uh, sorry in, in any of the lower divisions um, I actually somebody retweeted onto my timeline um, an, a fairly young journalist um, who I hadn't heard of but I had a look at his, his Twitter bio and down his timeline and stuff and he specialises in the promedios in, in the history of the promedios and he was really sad he, he, he was saying I'm really disappointed to hear that the lower divisions are doing away with the promedios. It's a you know closing a really big chapter in an interesting period of Argentine football. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm disappointed personally because it means I'm I'm going to have less work. And I just I was looking down thinking, well, if you hadn't decided to specialise in something so bloody stupid, I mean, 
Come on. Rather you than can write the, about other stuff in Argentine football. Rather than specializing in, in Promedios, he's a more more a fan of Promedios, looks like. Yeah, it was it was very, very weird. Um, but there are people who like them. And as very long term listeners <laughs> will be aware, we on hand of pod are not among them by yes, and large. And things like this of course confirm that they are not the best solution for Uh, to decide the, the, the relegate, uh, teams that are relegated as, as Tigre finished playing they, they won six out of six seven matches in the yeah. last time or something they, like that the, so Tigre's record now in their last few games is let's just bring it up this is where my internet always yes. starts to hang of course that's really, really um, Tigre's record Nestor Gorosito took charge for the 19th round onwards Um, and their record since then is one, two, three, five wins and two draws. And I think that they had a Copa Argentina game in there somewhere in the middle as well, which they possibly drew and went out on penalties or something like that. But in the league, five wins and two draws. Uh, the wins were against Rosario Central, Patronato, Beles, Tacheres, and of course River just this weekend. And the draws were against Union and Racing. Um, and it's... Just it, 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 it's silly. I mean, yes. it's a very similar situation, really. Um, albeit, obviously, much less cataclysmic, and, and we're all in much less of a state of shock than we were um, in 2011 when we gathered for the end of the league season episode. Of course, you weren't with us in 2011, Andres. Um, but you know, we, we were there. I remember with uh, Seba, the the big Racing fan, and he was he was in shock because he was like. I never thought I would see River relegated. It just doesn't feel like it's actually happened. Um, and Tigre now, obviously it doesn't feel like, oh, we never thought we'd see Tigre relegated. I can't believe that this has happened. But in fact, the situations are very similar because if I remember rightly, in the 2010-11 season, over the season-long table, which they compile, even though obviously it was two championships at the time, uh, River finished eighth. Um, and yet they still ended up going down. And again, just like Tigre this year, In the three seasons in which that average points, you know, was, was calculated, River didn't actually finish in the bottom four um, at any point in in that, um, and so it's all very eerie, and, and it's kind of eerie in that sense that Tigre didn't manage to stay up in spite of beating River of all clubs anyway, on the last day of the season. Anyway, I think there are there are some differences between River relegation and Tigre, and one of them is that first of all, River played worse than Tigre this time uh, and they had a lot of opportunities River had a lot of opportunities to get out of the relegation zone and yeah. they couldn't uh, I, I think they had to win against Lanús for example and they drew they had to win against other teams uh, with, uh, yeah I mean in terms of the pressure on the team it was a very different kind yes. of campaign yeah I, I would agree there While Tigre, but the fact that they just finished one point if I remember it yes. or one position apart in those final seasons Um, yeah. Whereas Tigre, of course, they were condemned were... beforehand, perhaps because, mm. of course, winning five out of seven matches and 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 be relegated anyway. That means that they, of course, they they paid the previous perhaps worse uh, matches or, or results, and now that they got uh, great uh, performances and, and 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 good results, they couldn't uh, get out of that. Well, they they must be kicking themselves for not having brought Gorosito in sooner. Because Mariano Echeverria was in charge for rounds 8 to 18, um, during which time he oversaw three wins, three draws, um, one, two, three, four, five defeats. Um, and they could have, you know, decided, well, you know, Gorosito is a great figure, you know, he's, he's a former Tigre man, he has connections with the club. He wasn't just a name picked out of a hat who happened to be available at the time. Um, if they brought him in a match earlier, For the 4-4 at Banfield, yes. if, if Gorosito had been in charge there, given the immediate transformation um, that, that took place a week later when they played Central and just instantly looked way tighter at the back, I find it difficult to believe that they couldn't have won that game, for example. And if they won that game, they've got two more points. There's enough to keep them up. Yes. Um, it's, it, it must be tremendously frustrating. And, of course, one thing in which uh, one way in which the situations between Tigre and now and, and River in 2011 are very much not the same, um, is that Tigre's squad, unfortunately, is, is probably going to be gutted now. You would think Lucas Hansson probably isn't going to stay there. Menossi 
won't be staying there either. I would perhaps they, 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 if they can keep everybody. Perhaps together. the players that are from the club or, or, or are from the yacht divisions. Yeah, uh, but I don't see Walter Montijo, who was the best player for Tigre this the last rounds, to keep to be there uh, for National B, or for yeah. example, uh, well, perhaps Menosi, who has been linked to other teams in the in the past, even River. Uh, he wasn't close to to sign for River, but he, uh, I think he's another key player, and he could be there as a Tigre. I think perhaps I don't know whether he was uh, his formation was there at Tigre, at Tigre, but yes, the, he, they will probably be out of, of that team for next next season. I mean, I kind of hope Tigre keep them all together somehow, because if they do, then they they ought to be coming straight back up. I, I can't see a team who've Who've had who've been as good as they have in the matches that they've been over the last what month and a half, two months of the season now, um, having any difficulties with with next season's Nacional B, particularly with I'm guessing it's going to be two direct promotion spots, isn't it? Um, but it, it's going to be it's such a shame that we're not going to get to see them pick themselves up and have a go at the Sudamericana that I think they've earned in the last few weeks. Um, and you know you might say yeah but they earned it in the last few weeks there are other clubs gone over the course of the season but again over the course of the season Tigre finished ninth. Um it's a qualification spot they deserve to be there um, and I'm, I'm going to miss them as, as listeners might have picked up I have you know Tigre are a club that I like they're a club I've always yes. liked since I got here and since I started perhaps some, some of them uh, go go to Defensa Justicia as a team that uh, <laughs> have been Uh, receiving players from other teams could could be a possibility. It could be. Um, the other sides in the relegation battle: Belgrano, uh, San Martín de San Juan, or San Martín de San Juan in particular, actually finished second bottom of the league table. Um, Belgrano finished one point um, outside the bottom four places. So I'm going to say outside my imaginary fantasy relegation zone. Um, If, if the relegation was just done over a season-long basis like everybody else does it. Um, so it's interesting that of the four teams relegated, the only team um, who who would have been relegated under a proper relegation system was San Martín de Tucumán, who are the side, of course, who went down two weeks or something before the end of the season. The other three, those, those three, uh, four, sorry, San Martín de San Juan, Tigre, Belgrano and Patronato, all finished outside the imaginary relegation zone uh, if we have a proper relegation system in Argentina then we would now be bidding farewell to Colón San Martín de Tucumán Argentinos Juniors and San Lorenzo and the reason that I mention that is that the three sides I've just mentioned to are not San Martín de Tucumán are going to have some serious problems next season in the and relegation with San Lorenzo, which I we think will talk about after, after yes. the half time break yes, I think we will talk about, about it also later about San Lorenzo strange Situation uh, because Superliga, it's they are a crap at Superliga, but very good at Copa Libertadores. Yeah, um, we will discuss the Libertadores a little bit more after the break as well. Um, you know what I've I remembered yesterday, Andres, and in fact I won't say I remembered it yesterday. I set an alarm on my phone way back when we did it at the beginning of the season to remind me yesterday knowing that yesterday was going to be the day we recorded this episode, or the day before we recorded this episode, is that we made some, you and I, as it happens, because we both signed a bit of paper, made some predictions at the beginning of the season as to where we thought each club would end up in the league. And I'm going to go and pick up that bit of paper now. Okay. Um, so we're going to uh, just... It's interesting. How, how accurate do you think we were? Uh, well, it's... I don't. Uh, I am not particularly accurate with these previews, so I, I think that I should have uh, uh, got the ten or twenty percent of those. I think between the two of us, we did all right. I'm fairly pleased with it. Ooh. So we had. We divide. I divided the the thing into kind of rather than trying to predict exactly who was going to come out on top of the table and exactly who was going to finish second and so on. We sort of put it into who do we think the three main contenders are going to be for the championship? Who do we think are going to be the fourth team going into the Libertadores? Um, who are we going to be in the Sudamericana qualification spots? Who's going to be mid table and who are going to be relegated? So for the champions, 
our championship contenders were Boca, favourites, uh, and then with maybe Racing second and River third favourites. Which, bearing in mind that those three clubs all finished in the top four, yes. fairly happy with. For the Libertadores, uh, the fourth Libertadores spot, we went for Independiente to finish fourth. Uh, in the actual table, Independiente finished seventh, so that was a little bit of a wobble for us, maybe. This is the point now where we get um, interesting. In fifth place, or rather in the definitely qualifying, we thought at the beginning of the season for the Sudamericana next year, were Tacheres, Banfield and Newells. Of those three, <laughs> Tacheres were the only ones. In fact, Tacheres didn't get there either. Tacheres, I think, were the only ones who went into the final weekend of the season with a chance of it. Um, also, maybe qualifying for the Sudamericana, we had Huracan, who, of course, just scraped in thanks to Tigre getting relegated. Godoy Cruz, who were nowhere near. Uh, San Lorenzo, who finished third bottom of the table, so that wasn't very good for us. Beles who we were quite correct in saying. We did say they might finish further down, but we we, we went for Vélez to uh, significantly improve on last season, and they did. Estudiantes and Colón. I think of that lot, Vélez are the only even vaguely successful ones. We put them in around about 10th place, and as it was, they finished 6th. So well done, Vélez, for exceeding our expectations. Well done also Defensa y Justicia, who we had roughly in 12th place as well alongside Colón. So Defensa y Justicia finished 10 places higher than Hand of Pod predicted. Um, the mid-table teams, we had Argentinos, who finished bottom. Union, who finished, where did they finish? 8th, uh, so well done Union. Atletico Tucumán, who we said might finish further up the table as well. And as it was, they finished 5th, so very much higher up the table. Gimnasia. Uh, finished yeah, pretty much mid-table, 18th, which in a 26-team league is kind of lower mid-table. Uh, Lanús, we had finishing mid-table. They were 11th, so higher than we thought, but just about mid-table-ish, just under the Sudamericana spots. Um, and Central, who finished 20th, and who we had for 17th. And the relegation, we had a group of six, and we said four of these will be relegated. Tigre, and I actually put an upward arrow next to them, which means probably they're going to finish higher up the table, but we thought they'd get relegated because, as we said at the beginning of the season, they had a very bad points average and that was going to hamstring them. Aldo Sibi, San Martín de Tucumán, San Martín de San Juan, Patronato and Belgrano. So the relegation battle, we got almost spot on, with the exception of Aldo Sibi, who had a really good start, if I remember correctly. Um, so we, we could be special, specialists... Yeah, like we, the other journalists. Given what an unpredictable league it supposedly is, and you know it's something that I've certainly made a great thing of saying it's a very unpredictable league. I'm surprised by how many of those were within two or three positions in 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 a league with 26 positions to pick from. Um, I'm pretty happy with it. Yes, but the most surprising, and um, it was a surprise for even for. Not for us only, not only for us, for everyone was the Defensa Justicia brilliant mm. campaign, finishing 12, uh, second, and, and when we previewed, they will finish uh, 12th. Yeah, around 12th we had them. Of course, that was at Becacese had just come back after the World Cup, and we didn't know whether he was going to, you know, whether the second time around wasn't going to be as sweet or anything like that. And as it was, it very much was. Um, we're going to take a break now. I'm going to refill our glasses. And when we come back, uh, we will talk about. The stuff that we mentioned, San Lorenzo, Huracan having a similar uh, punishment to San Lorenzo handed down. And uh, in a way, what happens next, as I said, the main preview of the Copa de la Superliga is going to be on Handapod Extra for our Patreon supporters. Um, but we are going to talk about next season a little bit in the second half. So don't go away.
Okay, we'll begin part two, first of all, with a reminder that if you would like to support Hand of Pod financially, you can do so by going to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Hand of Pod. Um, if you do so, you will get extra episodes. Depending on your level of support, uh, you'll get um, a differing number each month. Uh, we have been funded by our Patreons and supported by them now for over a year. It's tremendously um, highly appreciated uh, we love you all and if you're not one of their number please consider doing so thank you very much we, um, are, we are I think it's two weeks uh, for to uh, go to I mean uh, have one year in Patreon so uh, it's just under a year is it yes you're right of course it is yeah yes, it's, I spent I, such it, a long time thinking about doing it from February that, that, that's why I just said more than a year but yeah it's just, just under a year so we're coming up to the first anniversary yes it was end of April Yes, well remembered. Um, the other thing to mention is the image of the round, and it's sponsored by <laughs> Fanatis, who give you the best image of Argentine football um, to look at online. Go to fntz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOP slash FZ to get 20% off your first three months with them. Um I feel a bit sorry here for Agustin Bossat, the youngster who scored a hat-trick for Belles in their 4-0 win over Lanús. But I'm going to have to give it to Gabriel Car- Carabajal um, and his celebrations after making it 2-0 to Patronato against Argentinos, given that those two goals you know, kept Patronato up, ultimately. How did he celebrate? I couldn't catch it. I can't remember what the celebration was. It, it Basically, it involved running over to the corner flag and being mobbed by all of his teammates, I think. And dancing, um, something like that. But as a, you know, I, I think that that one deserves... The image that's stuck in my head from the game is that beautiful curling shot for the first goal, but that wasn't ultimately the one that, that sealed victory. Um, you know, we spent a, a fair bit of the first half of the podcast complaining about the relegation system, saying in particular that Tigre were hard done by. Um, but Patronato's upturn in form, if, if less spectacular than Tigre's, um, has been notable enough to have kept them clear of relegation, both in the relegation system we've got and in the relegation system that we should have. Um, so well done to them. And uh, they're my nomination, at least, unless yes. you have a better idea. I, I have two candidates. One is the, uh, the, the the player I mentioned before, virtually saving what was the relegation for Panorama because uh, the, the second goal for Argentinos and the draw will mean, as I said, for them to play a three-way playoff to with Tigre and Belgrano, mm-hmm. uh, one that is one, and the other one was also mentioned by by myself, the the uh, a greeting from defensive justicia players to the racing players and the other the other other way also. Um, I am not decided because of course one has to do with more with the play itself, and the other one has to do with more ceremony, something that has to do with more the something unusual in Argentina but uh, uh, those are for me the of course images. I just thought I might start putting these on Twitter maybe we should do a listener poll for our Twitter followers could be uh, and find out so let's say I'll, I'll stick it up on Twitter when we next get a break in recording um, and the, the poll is going to be either Patronato's celebrations at staying up to combine that, our two suggestions from that match um, or Racing and Defensive with DCR both giving each other the guard of honour onto the pitch. Um, and uh, go to twitter.com slash handofpod and you can vote in that uh, poll. Um, now, next season, because one Superliga season is over, in spite of the fact that we're only a week and a half into April, uh, and next season has just a few hours before we started recording been, um, well, they've confirmed what it's going to look like. And it's going to look pretty ridiculous, uh, in short. Um, we are going to have 24 teams in next year's Superliga because there are four teams relegated and two coming up. We don't, of course, yet know who the two coming up are um, because the Bay Nacional season, the second division, is still some way away from finishing. At the moment, they are 23 or 22 rounds in. One or two teams have played 23 matches um, of 25. So they're still three weeks away. It's going to finish late April, very early May, rather than now. So we don't know who it's going to be. 
Sarmiento and Arsenal de Sarandí are both deadlocked at the very top. Um, Nueva Chicago are four points behind them. Platense are four points behind Nueva Chicago. So realistically, um, it is probably one of those top three, Sarmiento, Arsenal or Chicago. But Platense and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero and Gimnasia de Mendoza, who are all on 35 points, um, could also get it. Uh, but anyway, next season's Superliga, as we say, 24 teams. It's going to begin in July, quite soon after the Copa America finishes. Um, and it's going to run until December, and it's going to be short championship style. So in other words, it's going to be the same format that we had just now in the Superliga, which for some reason people didn't call short championship because it went on an extra month. Cheers. I mean, it's two rounds longer. It's still a short championship, as I made the point quite forcefully to some people on Twitter who kept calling it a long tournament. Um, it's going to finish in December. It's going to crown the only league champions. I'm going to stress this now because it's about to get very confusing. The only league champions of next season are going to be crowned in December this year. And then from February or January or February. Hang on, we've got the link here. What does it say? January or February? I, I think it's January. Um, it's going to be... there's the trophy uh, oh it doesn't actually say basically in the first half of next year um, there is going to be another Copa de la Superliga if you're one of our Patreon supporters then you'll be able to hear Andres and me um, previewing the this year's Copa de la Superliga which is kicking off on Friday um, by going to patreon.com slash handofpod uh, but essentially, it, it's an extra tournament which is there to help the television people continue to take money off us for the next two months, even though there's not any league football still to be played from the top flight. Um, it's going to be two legs. I'll give you the format for, for this season's one now. This season, the bottom 20 teams in the Superliga, including the relegated sides, go into, uh, first of all, this weekend and next weekend, um, two-legged uh, ties. It was, hang on, 7th against 26th, 8th against 24th, and so on, as we outlined last week. And the, the team that was in the best position of, the, of both is the one who plays home the, the second, second leg, right? Leg. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so, for instance, the one that I can remember, purely because it's the first match on Friday, is Colón versus Tigre. Um, and then Tigre versus Colón will be a week later. The 10 winners of those two-legged ties, which will not include away goals and will go straight to penalties if they finish level on aggregate, um, will then go into the last 16 and the draw has already been made. I've not got it up on the screen, but we already know Like the winners of this tie are going to play River, the winners of this tie are going to play Atletico Tucumán or you know, for, for the top six clubs in, in the league um, to get the last 16. And then it's double-legged with the same rules that I just mentioned, no away goals, straight to penalties if it's a draw. Up until the semi-finals, and then the final is going to be one match in a neutral stadium with extra time if it's a draw still, and penalties if it's a draw after that. Next year, however, everything changes. Do we remember the 2016, I think it was, Primera, that Lanús won against San Lorenzo in the final? You remember it, don't you, Andres? Yes, I do. Good. Um, that... Was it 2016? Yes, of course it was. Yeah, it was the 2016 um, uh, transition, wasn't it? The transitional championship. Um, next year, the Copa de la Superliga is going to look very similar indeed to that. It's going to be two groups of, whereas that championship was 15 teams each, because there were 15. Was it 15 or 14? Were there 30 or 28 sides in the, in the Premier that season? I can't remember. Anyway, that championship was more. I think it was 15 each. Um, followed by semi-finals and a final. Uh, the Copa de la Superliga next year, which again, just like this year's Copa de la Superliga, is a cup competition, not a league competition. It won't be, at least the AFA have said so far, that it's not going to be recognised as a league championship in the AFA's history books. Um, but it's going to look almost identical. It will be two groups of 12 teams each, obviously, because if you divide 24 by 12, then you by 2, then you get 12. Um, followed by semi-finals and a final to decide the winner. Just like this year, the winners will get a place in next year's in the following year's Libertadores, and the uh, runners-up, the losers of the final, will get a place in the following year's Copa Sudamericana. 
But the really stupid thing... Oh, sorry. Unlike the that championship that Lanús won, um, there is not going to be... So the, the groups will be divided up classical-wise. So River will go into one group and Boca will go into another. Racing will go into one group and Independiente will go into another and so on. But there won't be classicos. In, in, there won't be an extra round of everybody you know, playing their classical rivals or someone drawn out of a hat like there was that year. Um, the really stupid thing, however, is that this National Cup competition is going to count towards the promedios for next season. So the teams who get relegated from next year's first division will be doing so partly on the basis of underperformance in a cup contest. Which is really stupid. It, it's, I mean, there's no real equivalent because I can't think of any other competition where there's a cup competition only for teams in one division. But it, it, it's. I mean, it's, it will be like at least a, in name an extra average uh, uh, points that they get, or or they are discounted because yeah. of course if they, if they lose, they they will have their averages worse. Uh, Precisely, yeah. And, and and it's just I mean at least in name it, it it's like say if in England your FA Cup performance whatever division you were in was also factored into somehow whether you get relegated from your division or not um, it just seems it's tough they're different competitions that they've made very clear this is not a league contest so in that case why are you counting it towards the league standings um, it's insane I, I I don't get it at all. Yes, it's. Uh, do you really have any kind of defense to make of this, Andres? No, no, it's, time? I, it's I, I can't. I can't. Uh, sometimes you say well, but Argentine football or Superliga it's way better than uh, AFA organizing tournaments, and which is real. Uh, they are better, but these things are really hard to understand. Yeah, I had a bit of a rant about it uh, last night in Spanish on my Twitter, just saying I, I just I no longer understand how Argentina remains a country that is so mad about football when the people who put the league together do everything they can to make people stop caring um, yes it, I, just... I remember when we we done we English done try to understand also the the lower leagues and it was impossible at least federal a, federal a federal b uh, yeah was... the really yeah the the countrywide third and fourth divisions and yeah it's it's very difficult to keep up but But even at the first division level, I mean, just make it simple. There's no reason for all of the complication. And this it goes beyond, you know, as, as I said Not in, in Spanish on Twitter problems. last night, there are badly run clubs in every country. And if your club isn't badly run, then there's a pretty high chance that it's run by some very unpleasant people, you know, if you support a Western European club, let's say. Um, but this goes beyond that. It, this isn't about my complaint, this specific complaint, isn't about the clubs being badly run. It's about the league being almost willingly stupidly run. It, it like I, I just I can't see why they have such yes. a massive problem with saying let's just have a league championship. Yes, it, it doesn't improve like, anything. Like everybody it's... else does it and, and yeah. settle who goes up and down on the basis of your standings in that league championship. And yeah, I, I don't understand all the fannying uh, around. Yeah it doesn't improve any aspect of the of the of, of football and uh... There is, an, there is an expression beyond football which is don't break what is not broken and mm. they, are, they break everything and there's also talk that the short championships will come back in once they get the um, the league down small enough which I would guess it will be after next season it'll be down to 22 teams for for 2020 to 21 um, which also just doesn't sound I mean If the whole of the last few years, the expansion to 30 teams, and then they're saying, no, we want to be more serious now, we're a new AFA now that Julio Grandona's, you know, now that we got rid of Julio, no, now that Julio Grandona's dead, but if you listen to a lot of the people who are there now, it'll be, you know, oh, because we want to make, take things more seriously. Um, and yet they're still going to be, they're going to be going back to the same old broken system that. <sighs> and uh, what will happen? I, I don't think the, the, uh, we know and, uh, if, if it's any news about it. How Superliga will be after the, this short tournament that you say that will be between July and and the, the end of the year? No, no. Well, there, there won't be a Superliga in the first half of next season. So oh. the 2019 to 20 Superliga champions will be the team who lift the Superliga oh. trophy in December 2019. 
and they will go down as the 2019 so, to At least there won't be a, 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 an overlapping between Copa de la Superliga and Superliga. So Copa de la Superliga mm-hmm. will be Superliga, more or less. It will be a, co- a cup, but... Uh, well, it will same. replace the, the top flight, but there, there basically there won't be a top division of Argentine football, except that, of course, the relegation places are going to be decided on that basis. But again, you know, this is why that distinction is important. The AFA have made clear that it won't be a league competition. That, that, that whoever wins next year's Copa de la Superliga don't yes. get to call themselves champions of Argentina in the way that Lanús did for winning an identically structured competition <laughs> um, a few years ago. Anyway, on that note, let's move on to listeners' questions. We have had, I think, only a few, but we'll see. Here we go. Um, ooh, these are all days ago. Okay, I've scrolled down far too far already. I've got a new mouse and the scrolling wheel's much more rapid. Um, Little Bird says, Would you say that the Copa de la Superliga is likely to have a lot of upsets considering the clubs that are qualified for the Libertadores already and or are playing the current one may not take it that seriously, such as the Copa Argentina's early rounds? I think that the ones that won't take it seriously are the teams relegated. Uh, well, they yeah. Of course, I mean, they, they again. It, it depends on whether on what the final judgment is as to whether they'll be allowed in, doesn't it? So, if, should they get to the final and qualify for something? Yes. Um, I, I think that by and large, most of the ones, particularly the you know the big clubs who have already qualified, and obviously, you know, I, I mean the big five. Um, and all of the, sorry, four of the big five have qualified for something already via the, the Superliga. Uh, Racing, Boca and River in that order are all in next year's Libertadores. And uh, Independiente are in next year's Sudamericana. They are, aren't they? They're in next year's Sudamericana. Yeah? Yes, I think yes. Let's go back here. No, that's, that's the second division table. Let's go back to the first division table. <laughs> and again. Uh, yes, they are. Yes. Good. Just needed to be entirely sure of that otherwise I was going to need to edit that bit out at the end um, but one thing that I will say is that we are in a country where people even take super cups seriously here in South America like there doesn't really seem to be very much division between people going oh this is a major trophy and that's a minor trophy or anything here I mean at least at least at the River Boca level you know, when when they're playing each other, everything, if even if it's the Argentine Super Cup, is a major trophy. Um, I find it very telling that Little Bird, in his tweet, actually makes a joke. He, he's put Copa de la Carabao and crossed out Carabao and put Superliga in its place. Um, because, again, one of the things that I find quite difficult sometimes to explain to people, on the very rare occasions that I find myself watching an English football match in a bar here, is that the, the League Cup isn't a major competition in England or at least I know that people take it as one now maybe some of them but when I was a teenager when I, when I was getting into football the League Cup was I couldn't tell you who won it in a certain year certainly not in the same way that I could tell you about the FA Cup um, and so it, it's really it, it's quite amusing when you know Argentine commentators go on about the importance of winning the League Cup perhaps it will be important whether uh, River and Boca well in this case Boca are is qualified to the Copa Libertadores a group stage and river for to the playoff or the previous phase um, because Copa Argentina 2017 was the one that River won and that's why they qualified to the Copa Libertadores of last year yes in that case would make sense because for example for River and Boca to uh, name two, two, the two more important te- most important teams uh, weren't uh, qualified to the Copa Libertadores and they will have the Copa de la Superliga as an opportunity to reach Libertadores. Yeah. In that case, well, that, that really make exactly. Yes, yeah. so, I mean, I think that, that that's that's what Little Bird is getting at. Like he's, you know, clubs who aren't qualified already for that competition are going to take it seriously. But I think that the clubs who are qualified already are going to take it reasonably seriously, partly because it's competitive football and keeps the players in shape, and partly because it's a title. And as I say, I think Argentine fans and, and teams to me that just seem to take everything seriously plus it's a knockout competition so maybe the fact that River don't give a shit about the league isn't going to matter so much for this one maybe they'll put some effort in because it's knockout um, 
but we will see. I don't think it deserves to be taken that seriously. I think that the Superliga also suspect it doesn't deserve to be taken that seriously, and that's why they've given it a Libertadores and a Sudamericana qualifying spot. Um, and I very, very much hope that the final ends up being Tigre versus one of the other relegated sides, so that they have some serious question asking to do about whether they let those teams into the relevant competitions or not. Um, Jamie says, in light of the news yesterday, or was it earlier this morning, that Lionel Scaloni got uh, knocked off his bicycle um, and had his face all broken up. Uh, Apparently, this happened not here in Argentina, but in Mallorca, which is where Scaloni lives. I found out about this thanks to the fact that he got knocked off his bike. So Jamie's question is, so Scaloni lives in Mallorca and not Argentina. Is this as big a deal as people are making out? It makes no sense to live in Europe if he wants to watch his best players regularly, as that's where they all are. And in Argentina, and and Argentina hardly ever play in Argentina these days anyway. Um, I made the uh, joke to Peter on Twitter um, that uh, it, it seemed a bit extreme, even by Porteño standards, uh, as a way of getting him out of the job, trying to run him over with a car. Um, but, I mean, yes... I, I didn't realise anybody was making a big deal out of it actually I just assumed that I was the last person to find out and then it turns out that lots of other people did there will be people uh, criticising or, or protesting because Scaloni lives in Mallorca not here uh, but uh, uh, yes it will be really really absurd but uh, um, it's, I, I don't think it's important where he lives but the team he, he builds and the team that Argentina Finally, uh, has impeached not where he lives. Of course, in, he lives in Mallorca, and that is better for for him in order to uh, meet with the with the players that play there in Europe. Anyway, it's twelve years, twelve twelve hours uh, a flight to get there to get to Europe, and it's not a, not a problem for him to to travel. I think, uh, but this yes, it's not. I think the less the less important thing of this is where he lives. Um, uh, yeah, um, I think more important is that it was said that he was he uh, in critical critical sorry critical condition, and he was in worse condition. Oh, really? Yes. Oh wow. Uh, I think you know if El Mundo or one of the Spanish newspapers, most known Spanish newspapers. Stated that he was a critical condition and he wasn't, of course. No, I was, I was just about to Google it, but I was like, nobody has mentioned that. He seemed fine in the photos, apart from having various cuts on his face. Um, no, I, I broadly agree. I, I think, you know, on the one hand, as, as we discussed after the last international break, I'm not at all convinced now that Scaloni is uh, a particularly good manager. Uh, but that has absolutely nothing to do with where he lives. I will say that it feels telling of Argentina's uh, of, of of the state of Argentine football at the moment that the national team manager doesn't live here like I don't really have a problem with it but when I found out I just sort of it's a bit odd somehow it seems a bit strange um, but of course at the same time as, as Jamie says you know the best players are in Europe so why wouldn't you um, but it, it, it's one of the things that obviously is if Argentina do disastrously at the Copa America, yes. then now that everybody knows that he doesn't live here, um, it will be used as a stick to beat Le- him with. Last um, year, it was a, there were a lot of news uh, that um, Sampaoli travelled to Europe to meet Aguero. Sampaoli travelled to Europe to meet uh, Iwain. Mm. Sampaoli travelled to Europe to meet... Well, in this case, it's better for him, for Scaloni to be there, already there, so yeah. it's easier. Absolutely. Um Nick says, I think we can make... Sorry, I'm just retweeting Jamie's question first. I think we can make a good guess of English Dan's answer to this question following what's happened this season. But who are Sam and Andres' favourite returning heroes who came back from Europe or elsewhere to either River or to Argentina in general? Yeah, for me it's easy because uh, Francesco is the one I, I would for sure choose. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, came back in the 90s uh, I'm going to say on that basis I, I was trying to think more recently but on that basis I'm going to say Marcelo Salas purely because the first River game that I went to um, was Marcelo Salas's 
in inverted commas, debut after he came back from Juventus. Um, it was also Javier Mascherano's debut, but he, of course, might not end up coming back to Argentina and making a difference because he's yes. said a few times recently that he doesn't think he's good enough anymore. Um, and some he, others, sorry, some other river supporters may choose perhaps Cabenaghi and uh, Alejandro Chori Dominguez uh, playing for National B. Um, and making River be back to the first division, uh, I will stick with with Francescoli. Yeah, and I'm just looking up Walter Montijo's former clubs as a non-River um, player, but unfortunately he never actually got to Europe. He's he's been around South America, he's been to North America, and he's been to Asia, uh, but he never played in Europe. But he has had a mm. fantastic uh, impact on Tigre's team this season, um, even though they didn't end up managing to remain in the first division um, the other question is from Darren Paul who runs the Racing Club UK podcast and it is been on any good podcasts lately have you Andres yes Hand of Pod well, only, only Hand of Pod yes I was on Darren's um, Racing Club UK podcast last week uh, helping him and Nacho to celebrate Racing's championship, which is why Darren's asking. Uh, you should check that one out. Uh, it's on the Racing Club UK Twitter account and wherever else you can get the podcast from. I've, I've not got the links uh, to hand at the moment, but uh, give it a look. Search search Twitter for Racing Club UK, filial Londres, um, and you will find it there, and they will no doubt have a link or two um, of it. So, yeah, check it out. It was good fun to be on, even if the recording Thanks. ran almost as long as some hand of pod recordings managed to run. Okay, uh, that concludes the questions. So after this next piece of theme music, you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the first round, first legs of the Copa de la Superliga. Here we go, the Copa de la Superliga, the competition everyone's talking about, and that is a very prestigious and uh, serious cup, he says with tongue-in-cheek. The first legs, I think, are going to go like this. Colón versus Tigre, I think is a Tigre win. Gimnasia versus Newells. Um, I'm going for... um, Newells to win that one. The winner of that tie, by the way, played defender Injusticia in the second round. Uh, San Martín de San Juan versus Tacheres, I think, will be a draw. Uh, the winners of that tie play Atlético Tucumán in the next round. Belgrano versus Lanús for the right to play Belles, um, I think, is going to be a Lanús win. San Martín de Tucumán versus Unión, I think, is an Unión win. Estudiantes versus Banfield for the right to play the champions Racing in the second round um, I think is going to be a draw San Lorenzo versus Huracan the Clásico um, thanks to the fact that neither of them have been docked six points yet otherwise standings would of course have been very different uh, San Lorenzo versus Huracan I'm going to go for San Lorenzo to edge that first leg Argentinos versus Independiente I'm going for um, I think a draw in the first leg Patronato uh, versus Godoy Cruz the winners of this one will play Boca I think that Patronato will win the first leg of that Uh, and Rosario Central versus Aldo Civi for the right to play River in the next round I think is probably a Central win that's one of the more closely fought ones actually I think Yes. Of course it is, because Central finished one position below Aldo Civi in the league, uh, which is why those ties are, I think they did anyway, right? Uh, oh, I've gone out of the league table already. Um, but yeah, something like that. Let's see. Central finished. Oh no, they finished way below Aldo Civi, in fact. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to go for a draw. Yes. There we go. Are there any of those ties that you actually think are interesting, Andres, leaving aside the fact that the Copa Argentina as a whole is a bit of a Sorry, the, the Copa de la Superliga as a whole is a bit of a joke competition. Well, I, I think uh, it's interesting, but the news or the 
modifications for next season is really a really really uh, difficult or hard to understand and and, and hilarious. But I think this uh, is like more or less a continuation or a following of the actual Superliga. Yeah. So it's of course uh, in a way it has to do with the needs of the broadcaster or the owners or the right owners to to continue offering football for the subscribers to pay. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, I, I think in terms of the, the fixture, obviously San Lorenzo or Acan as a classico is the one that stands out, and I think that not having any of the six, the top six. Um, involved it does make this first leg uh, first round look a little bit less yes. enticing let's say but I think Colón Tigre could be interesting Tigre again in fantastic form at the moment San Lorenzo Huracán obviously um, and potentially you know Argentinos versus Independiente basically the, the, the sides of either the Clásico San Lorenzo Huracán or the, the ties involving decent clubs those are the ones. Yes. For a fuller preview, though, of the Copa de la Superliga as a whole, you'll have to go over to Handapod Extra if you're a Patreon subscriber. Thank you very much again to our Patreon subscribers. If you're not yet one, then you can become one on patreon.com slash handapod. Um, in the meantime, thanks very much for listening for another week. We will talk to you, uh, I, I guess, probably next week. Maybe in, in two weeks, but I think probably next week. We're going to have ten matches to review and ten matches to preview for the second leg of the same ties. Um, so, see you again then. Goodbye now from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thank you and goodbye. There are three Copa Libertadores scores to tell you about. Huracan um, lost 4-0 away to Cruzeiro. Um... Boca Juniors have just beaten Jorge Wilstermann by the same scoreline, 4-0 in the Bombonera. And in Porto Alegre, Rosario Central lost 3-1 to Gremio.